Every child in the village had volunteered. I was proud of that. I hoped Madame D'Arblay's boy would be chosen as a rat. I loved to see Madame D'Arblay angry. She had several chins, and they all wobbled when she was cross. Bruno sat and watched from his cage. I could see he was agitated. Most of the children, including Roxanne, wanted to be rats. The whiskered costumes looked wonderful. Nicky and the director, who brandished that purple fedora hat rather too flamboyantly for my liking, inspected the line of children, stopping to consider each one closely. Then, after a brief whispered discussion, the director passed along the line again, picking out his chosen rats as he went. You're a rat. A rat. 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 Young or old, they all wanted to be rats. Roxanne was not among those chosen, nor, unfortunately, was Madame D'Arblay's boy, and neither was Tiny. They didn't hide their disappointment. The lucky ones were hustled away into the cafe, which had been taken over by the wardrobe mistress. Here they were to be transformed into rats of all shapes and sizes. Soon after, they emerged, ratted up and giggling. The director hushed them with a wave of his hat, saying he would have no noisy rats in Nicky's film. Instantly they were silent. The director turned to Roxanne and the others who were still waiting miserably. The rest of you will be the children, he declared. We already are, said Tiny. Nicky laughed, and when Nicky laughed, everyone laughed. Can any of you sing? asked the director. I was about to speak up, but Tiny did it for me. Roxy can, he said. You should hear her. You can, can't you, Roxy? A bit, said Roxanne. We all can. Good, good, the director went on. Now, I need someone to limp. A few heads turned towards me and smiled sheepishly. I smiled too. The director pointed at Tiny. Can you limp? I think so, said Tiny, and he walked up and down, limping first on one foot and then on the other. I'll teach Tiny, I said. I'd do it quite well. The smiles turned to laughter. Magic, magic, said the director, a bit flustered now. This boy can be the little one who gets left behind. It was indeed to be the story of the Pied Piper. Eva, the director shouted to the wardrobe mistress, a handsome woman with a mass of red hair. Too red to be real. Eva, this one will be the waif. You can get him kitted out. You can get them all kitted out. Now, I need a mare. Of course, everyone looked at Monsieur D'Arblay. Hmm, said the director, looking him up and down. Clearly our mare wasn't exactly what he had in mind. I suppose you'll do. A bit of make-up here and a bit of padding there. We'll make a proper mare of you. The mare didn't look too happy at this, but he accepted the part eagerly enough. Now, said the director, I want to see all the ladies. I'll need ladies who can scream. About half a dozen will do. And you've got to be able to pick up your skirts and run. It turned out they could all scream and run well enough, so they were all chosen, except Madame D'Arblay, and she was cast as the mayor's wife, so she was happy. After that, the corporation chose itself, for there were only a few of us willing to be dressed up in long flowing robes trimmed with fur. I was one, and so was Roxanne's grandfather. It was better than nothing. Of course, Nicky was to be the Pied Piper, 
so any hopes of stardom were dashed. Most of the children were pretted and preened to look like dolls, but Tiny, who was usually so tidy, was transformed into a grubby beggar complete with crutch. His mother kept trying to smarten him up, so the wardrobe mistress had to be very firm with her. I want him to be mucky, she insisted. He has to be mucky. Tiny was clearly delighted to be mucky, and together we practised his limping for hours. In the end, he was limping well. Not as well as me, but well enough. Roxanne never much bothered about what she looked like. Now she emerged from the cafe in a light blue chiffon dress with a garland of eglantine roses in her hair. For a few moments, everyone stopped and stared. She was a princess? A country girl turned into a princess in ten minutes. Yet she seemed so sad and preoccupied. She wandered over towards Bruno's cage. I was about to go over to her when her grandfather came scurrying out of the cafe. Roxanne, he called. They want the bear spruced up. You've got to brush him. Comb him out. She looked up at him with open dislike. I won't make him dance. I won't, she said. You know I never make him do anything he doesn't want to. You know he hates being laughed at. What's a little dance here and a little dance there, said the old man with a shrug of his shoulders. Puts money in the bank, doesn't it? That's what counts in this life, and don't you forget it. Roxanne opened the cage and stepped inside. Money doesn't grow on trees, you know, her grandfather went on. Mind you have him looking his best. And the next day, Bruno was indeed looking his best for rehearsals. We all were. But from the start, things went wrong. The carnival mood of the auditions and costuming had gone. One by one, difficulties became problems, and problems became arguments. Bruno was the worst problem of all. For some reason yet unknown to me, the Pied Piper had to have a performing bear. Someone put a chain around Bruno's neck so that Nicky could lead him into the village square. Bruno had never been chained in all his life. He would not move, and when they jerked on his chain, he reared up threateningly. Roxanne told them, we all did, that you couldn't treat Bruno like that. But they wouldn't listen. Nicky sang his song, but Bruno sat stock still and looked the other way, scratching himself. They wanted him to dance and kept waving their arms at him to encourage him, but Bruno didn't even look interested. And this was just the beginning of the director's troubles. The children learned Nicky's song and sang it well enough, but they would not behave as he wanted them to. They would keep looking at the camera and giggling. The rats were no better, falling over each other because they couldn't see properly through the eye holes in their costumes. Tiny's limping went to pieces. He would limp on different legs. And the more the mayor and the corporation rehearsed, the more self-conscious and stiff we all became. The director blamed everyone the cameraman, the sandman, the weather, even, at one point, Nicky. By late afternoon, he was talking of abandoning the whole project, packing up and going home. Eva, the red-headed wardrobe mistress, was in tears because he shouted at her once too often. He rehearsed for five minutes and stood around for five hours waiting. Filming, I decided, was hard on the feet, mostly boring and definitely bad on the nerves. We all went home thoroughly fed up and dreading doing it all again the next day.